Hello and welcome to your Wednesday Dose of Wealth Wisdom with me, Daniel Kennedy, your host. Uh, today we're going to be discussing um, the if, the how, and when to pay the builders and when you should not pay. So whenever there is a problem on site, it usually occurs when the client's expectations are here and what has been produced by the builder is usually a bit lower, be that bad workmanship or the job hasn't been like the job hasn't progressed as well as you wanted it to and it's come friday payments due and you're thinking you know what he said he would have done all the stripping out and maybe the still work and he hasn't and he still wants payment should i pay so one thing that can really make this a lot easier on both parties is to have a robust contract at the beginning of any job. So before the first tool, I'll say this, as I've said in the previous videos, 70% of the work is done prior to the first tool being picked up to ensure your development is a success. That means everything is planned out. Every job is costed in the schedule. Every job is put upon a timeline and maybe it's fixed price or maybe it's weekly payments but everything is planned out and you're always going to have to have some flex in any contract because when you're doing a build you can't like most builders like in fact i know this for a fact every builder is slightly guessing because they don't know what's under the wallpaper they don't know what's in between the stud walls so they're kind of going uh, i tell you what let me just say that's going to cost a grand even if it costs 200 pound they're going to say a grand to cover their backs because why would they want to underperform and under promise themselves so then essentially they're working for free so they need to have their own interest um, taken care of and as a client that can be really frustrating because when you go to a main contractor it's going to be more expensive because they can't see everything they can't, when the house isn't exposed, there's going to be things that they're going to dig out and they're going to have to come with, to you and say, listen, I know we've got this contract, but you see that huge crack in the wall there? That wasn't costed. We need to come to a second agreement. And that can often leave a bit of taste in many people's mouths, especially customers if they're on a tight budget. But you have to be prepared to be a bit flexible in your contract. But the best thing that you can do is have a really robust contract contract for everything that you can control so what can you control for example you know where the wastes are going you know where all the pipes are going to go you know where the bathrooms are going to go you know where all the flooring is going to go you know how much plastering is going to need to be done so all that can be costed prior to the work beginning and that enables you to better plan and enable you to sort of see if you could afford the job or where you can save money on the job. But you still need to have a contingency, really, because they could expose the stairs, for example, pull the carpet up, and there could be dry rot everywhere, which would, need, which would mean replacement stairs, which, in essence, isn't a particularly job, isn't a particularly big job. But if you haven't costed for it and you're right at the edge of that budget, it's game over because you're going to finish the job and not have any money to pay for the extras that's going to occur over the course of the job. So one thing is you need to keep this in mind. When you're doing a project, find the right builder and pay their price. Don't try and find the right price because you will pay twice if you go for the cheapest quote or the cheapest person or the person who has the gift of the gab. Um, most decent builders, and usually it's a pathway, it's usually one or two projects and they have to swap them out because they make a bit of coin. They don't have a really good sensible thermostat when it comes to money so they either develop a couple of habits or they get lazy and they lose the hunger and that's been my experience so 
have that in the back of your mind. I'm sure there are teams out there that work just as hard as the, on the first project as they do on the third, and well done you if you've got them. Um, but make sure that everything is written down contractually. You know when you need to pay. You have real, real clear. So there can't be any flexibility in the main contractor saying, listen, when I said plastered, I just meant boarding. I didn't mean plastered and skimming. So you want on your contract, say stage one, you want top room, boarded, plastered, finished and made good. So it's really not up to interpretation. It's really clear guidelines. And when they've done that, you can price the work and pay them. Or if it's weekly payments, make sure they're up to a certain stage. Um, and it's very, very hard. Now that I'm doing it myself, I've learned it's very, very hard to break down a job in stages because you don't know how long things are going to take. Things could be delayed. Things could progress faster than you originally planned. So always have that level of flexibility. But when you're on a job and there's specific stages, you've done all your work really well and somebody has come onto your site, started to do the works and you can see that it isn't up to par. Most builders don't have um, a float or they don't have a seed fund. Uh, so they don't have like money in the bank. They, they live paycheck to paycheck, most of them, is what I've come across, uh, most companies anyway. So the foreman on a Friday won't have any money to pay his guys if the customer doesn't pay very often. So that can put a lot of pressure on you, a lot of pressure. But if you have this watertight contract saying, listen, all the studying was meant to be done, that studying in that room isn't done. So therefore, you haven't kept up your part of the contractual obligation. However, if it says plaster in is on week two and they've plastered the top room, obviously take have some common sense, for goodness sake. If they're ahead in certain other jobs and behind on another, it's still fine as long as it sort of balances itself out. And as you do more of these, you'll get more and more and more competent at being able to judge how much work has been done. And one thing that you need to be clear of it's just be open and transparent from the beginning. Say, I'm not going to pay if there isn't a certain amount of work done. Just be really clear. Don't try and bend that rule because it's going to happen. You're going to get to a Friday. They're going to want the money because they've worked all week and it's a bloody hard job being a builder for sure. Um, if they haven't done the works that they were said, don't pay. You, you kind of know in your hearts of hearts whether you're being pressured into paying if it hasn't done a good job or the, the works haven't progressed well enough. But don't be forced into a corner. You don't want your jobs being backed. Oh, sorry, my dog's here. Get off you. Uh, you don't want your jobs being further ahead in payment than it is works. Every company and every person out there does the work first and gets paid. No one else does it. So if somebody's asking you for money first, one, it tells you they have cash flow problems and they don't know how to run a business because realistically, I see the pros and cons of deposits, of doing works and everything. I think it's bullcrap. You need to have a seed fund where if you do enough works to the end of the week, then you get paid. If the person doesn't pay, you walk away. But what you should really do is have the money in an escrow account um, if they're really insistent that they want money up front. So you... What an escrow account is, is a third party would control this account. They would have the contract. However, it's going to cost more because you're going to need a QS to come out every so often to check the works and to make sure a certain amount of money's works have been done. And then they release the money to the builder. So what are the pros of this? Pro, the builder knows there's money there to be paid. Two, 
the customer knows he's not going to get ripped off because there's a third party impartial professional that's going to go around and say, yep, he's done this, this and this, or she's done that, this and this. Um, and it's really is win-win. However, you're going to have to pay for extra visits. And if it's your first, if it's your first time doing a build, you absolutely should do that. Don't pay cheap. As I said, find the right person and pay their price. Don't try and find the right price because you're going to be paying two, three times over and you'll end up in a worse position. So, what you want to write into your contract, you want to have it in stages, stage one, two, three, four, and try and break it down as often as you can, maybe weekly payments. Uh, I've tried to do that, and it is very difficult. Then you pay on the Friday, um, and then work begins on the Monday, so on and so forth. And as you progress, you make sure that the works are staying in front of the payments. It's very hard to do and very hard to manage if you've got a lot of things on. But one thing that you need to do is you need to be on site at least once a week. It's unacceptable for you to be doing projects and to outsourcing so much of it to the builder's interpretation and then getting annoyed with the builder when it isn't to your liking and it isn't up to your expectation because you weren't there to say, listen, let's change this a little bit here. Let's check because when it's open and when it's new and when it's fairly easy and boarding hasn't been put on, first fix hasn't been done for the electrics, it's a lot easier to rectify various floor plans. Um and if you're on site, they're going to see that you're an active customer, you're involved. Uh, there's going to be no sort of disappointing because expectations are the same. You've got a contract to back it up. And then hopefully they can get paid. You can pay them. You get a good job and it's win-win. Um, one thing that you need to factor into your contracts is have a 5% retention. So, for example, the job's £100,000. Hold back 5% of that. And what do you? What, why would I suggest that? Because most... For me, um, as a customer, most of my life, I found it very difficult to get people back during the sort of teething stage. Anyone who's done a project, you'll know that after it all looks shiny and new, when people move in and it, ah, it's just bit me. Come on, get off. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're bloody interrupting my podcast, you. He's bloody chewing this. Um, where was I? Yeah, so it's really difficult to get them back during the TV stage because when it's all shiny and brand new, um, say that there's going to be leaks, there's going to be things that are break just because when stuff's in a warehouse, you don't know if it works or not until it's actually being used. And then after about two to three months, everything's <laughs> everything is uh, working fine. And usually you're good to go and it's just wear and tear then. It's a lot easier to manage. So... Make sure you have a 5% retention. And after three months, pay the 5% retention. If the builder doesn't turn up for your repairs when stuff goes wrong, don't like pay somebody else to come and fix it out of that 5%. And that should be written into the contract as well. And you want to have bonuses and penalties. <laughs> Get off you. Um, you want to have bonuses and penalties for your lateness and early. So for me, I used to do 250 a day. If they were late, penalty on the overall cost of the contract, but also a bonus of 250 And it really motivated them to finish quickly. And we actually got, when we started, the two eight-bed HMOs, our first one, it took eight months and a year to do. But as we got better at it and we streamlined the process, we managed to knock one out. I say we, we didn't do anything. The builders did. Um, we managed to knock one out in 10 weeks, an eight bed. So back to brick with an extension. And that was all because of the way we wrote the contract. So just in summary, don't pay a penny to start the job. 
if the builder wants you to pay a deposit because you haven't worked with them perhaps, and I know a lot of builders will get uh, get burnt because customers don't pay, but what happens eventually is the right builders find the right customers and the people who don't pay the house end up poor, broke and bitter. So eventually you will find good builders. Just And normally what will happen is they'll come in, quote the job, give you a cost of works. If they haven't worked with you, they might demand a little bit of money. Um, but my advice is to say no because you don't know them. Like I could come up to you. I could have all the marketing in the world come up to you, get a £100,000 job and say I want a 10, 10% deposit, and then you never hear from me again. Some people, it's really like you leave yourself open to being screwed over in this business. As a customer and as somebody who works in the industry, it's pretty cutthroat really because if somebody – doesn't have cash flow like a typical tradesman and they've got bills to pay and then suddenly a customer doesn't pay you're you're out on your ass so that's why a lot of tradesmen like to cover their backs and demand money however you as a customer you want to be a good payer and when you get that reputation as a good payer you'll get good people work for you and it'll be win-win oh this bloody dog just to to prove that he's here he's bloody pestering me go away um, and eventually you will find good builders so don't pay up front pay in weekly payments make sure you hold back a five percent retention of the total job for three months and this will also filter out builders who don't want to do this and that is not a bad thing that's a good thing because you want to be able to only work with the professionals and only work with people who don't have cash flow problems so if they haven't done the job they won't be forcing it along and they won't be pressuring you to pay when they haven't held up their part of the bargain um and that's my take on it you never never ever allow work to begin without a contract because all the power is in the customer's hand before the job starts and it's completely reversed once the builder's on site because That means they can add extras here and there. And if you leave anything open to interpretation, you are opening yourself up to being sort of upselled on various little bits and pieces here and there. So make sure that you've got yourself a contract. And also make sure you vet your builders as well. Speak to past customers. See if they've got an online presence. Um, Because very often, if they're crap builders, they've burnt quite a few people. Put their name in Google. Ask around on forums, and very, very soon you'll get the person who's right for you. Um, and that concludes our series of developments and my little take on it all. Um, those last few episodes are really a culmination of four years of experience of being screwed over three times by builders. Like I had a total of 35 grand taken from me. Um, 10k builder ran off no contract i'm an idiot did it again on the next project 10k no contract i'm an idiot Uh, and then we were hurt pretty bad by a bad builder where we didn't recognize the works were pretty bad so you need to get this right because one bad project can stop your property journey it ends it and normally it can affect your confidence and you might not want to continue investing in property when really it's a fantastic vehicle for investment. So make sure you do these things right. Um, And most people will recommend good builders. I wouldn't take recommendations also. Do your own due diligence. Have your own due diligence process. Um, Great podcast, mate. I need to go back and listen to them all. Yes, you do. You do need to go back and listen to them all. And thanks for joining us. 
Because if you mess up one, say if you've only got 50K, that's one job really. And then if you lose it all and you don't get the refinance or the end valuation you want, it can hold you back a couple of years. So reach out to people. There'll be people there willing to explain it. Like all my resources are free for the podcast. So listen to all those, listen to the series. Um, and this only really touches on it. You need, it could be hours and hours and hours along, but I, I never have the time nor the inclination to share that with you. Um, as I'm sure you don't want to drone onto my voice for a few hours. But get networking, ask around, educate yourself. And for goodness sake, do not hand over a penny until you've got that contract signed and at least a week's work has been done in lieu. Right. If you want to come and have a look at our projects, again, another plug, please pop by. Um, there's a link in the description. Uh, we have a development tour on the 22nd where you'll be viewing a current six bed that we're doing. There's a, a 14 bed that we're doing. And then you're going to see our flagship project, which is going to be a 16 bed. So plenty of projects. I could show you another seven bed we got in the works, but all it is is just an empty building. So I'm not going to bother. Um, but do come along, ask some questions. Um, let me just scroll down to see from your free part series. Yes, from the free part series. All right, thank you, and I hope you enjoy your evening.